my good people how are we what's going on hope everybody's doing well as we're over the hump getting ready to close out another week here on a special edition of the j reels podcast i am your host j reels today my guest is none other than my one-time radio partner and blood relative my cousin jd formerly of the final word with j reels and jd he and i co-hosted a sports talk radio program on blog talk radio dating back to 2008 to 2013 it was a great run we had a ton of guests in fact you can actually go to iTunes and still listen to all those old archive shows, which I'm sure they'll probably make your ears bleed because if those who were familiar with that uh, particular platform, it was all analog and it was all on the phone, certainly far from the crystal clear audio technica microphone that I'm using right now to record this podcast. But nevertheless, we had some very fascinating guests, very interesting shows, a lot of back and forth. We're actually the top rated sports show on Blog Talk Radio dating back to October 2010, so we certainly had a great run. But considering I've been doing this for almost a year, I was finally able to get him to commit both ways. I mean, obviously I've had my own scheduling conflicts, but just to be able to finally rap, talk about what's going on in the world of sports was certainly truly a pleasure and certainly a long time coming and it was an honor to have him on the airwaves. I recorded this on Friday, so this was actually before the Super Bowl. We didn't talk anything about the Super Bowl. Pretty much what we touched on was the NBA, the Boston Celtics, the player movement, some of the stuff I discussed on Monday's podcast. But we also talked about state of the Celtics, state of the NBA. We transitioned to the NFL, in particular the Dallas Cowboys, because he's a huge Cowboy fan. And I got his take about Jason Garrett, about the team itself. We also talked about the NFL Hall of Fame finalists that, now mind you, this was actually recorded the day before they were announced, but we pretty much broke it down and gave you our take as far as who we felt were Hall of Famers. And as you know by now, it was Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, which were the locks, Champ Bailey, as well as Ty Law. And then the final, I mean, other than the Veterans Committee, I know Johnny Robinson made it. And you also had uh, Pat Bolin, former owner. Yeah, guys like that. But then the uh, final one was Kevin Mawai, the former Jet Center, who is well-deserving. But you'll be interested to hear what J.D. and I have to say about the finalists and uh, those who, of course, are now selected pretty much will uh, be enshrined in Canton come summertime. And then we wrapped up by talking a little baseball, talking about the Red Sox. He's a huge Red Sox fan and what's going to happen for 2019, defending their crown, especially with the Yankees, who have, as we all know, solidified their bullpen, made a couple of changes in the starting lineup. And who knows if Bryce Harper or Manny Machado is going to come to New York. I don't think so, but you never know with the Yankees and Brian Cashman. So sit back, relax, or if you're on the treadmill or if you're, cooking dinner, on your commute home, whatever it may be. Finally, I get a chance to talk to my man, my mellow, JD, catching up on the world of sports here on the j Rose Podcast. Enjoy. Well, the time has come. Friday, right before the Super Bowl, but we're not going to talk Super Bowl. I got my man JD on the line. This has been a long time coming. And uh, we could talk about the Super Bowl, but nobody's going to care about that because we're since we're recording this before and chances are I'm posting this afterwards. We're going to talk uh, a lot about what's going on in the NBA. We're also going to touch on stuff that's happening in the NFL with our teams and particularly he's a huge Cowboy fan. And for those who remember, uh, going back to our old final word days, J.D., of course, my radio partner, very high esteemed radio partner who's also blood. And J.D., before we even get to uh, some of the football stuff, I know obviously there's been a huge week with the basketball Porzingis being traded, Anthony Davis putting himself 
out there to say, hey, I want out of uh, New Orleans. And now Kyrie coming out today with the whole, uh, hey, what do you think is going to happen with you resigning with the Celtics? And he goes, ask me July 1st. So my first thing to you, my man. Well, first off, welcome. Uh, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to have you on. Oh, uh, Jay, let me tell you, it's definitely been a while without question. Uh, absolute pleasure to have me on. Thank you so much. Oh, and uh definitely missed this. And uh, you're doing your thing. Uh, you've been absolutely fantastic. Uh, the podcasts that you've been putting out have been absolutely tremendous. And as always, uh, your time will come. Just keep up the tremendous work. Nah, absolutely. Hey, without question, man, I'm uh, certainly going out uh, fighting, even if, even if it's on one limb or in uh, half of a voice corridor. You know, or a voice uh, box, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, one, I tell you, Jay, what do we saw with this? Uh, I mean, well, you know, I even see a notification came up on my phone about an hour ago, and it basically said that Anthony Davis's father doesn't want him to go to Boston because he doesn't trust Ainge after what he did to Isaiah Thomas. I mean, oh, you know, I thought Ringling Brothers was the greatest show on earth, and it's the NBA right now. I mean, it's it's beyond comedy right now. The one thing that I don't like, unlike the other sports, is that the NBA, the player, has all the power. And we know a guy like LeBron's going to have that. We get that. We understand he's LeBron James. But now when you have not only Anthony Davis, and we, hey, listen, rightfully so. We know he's a top three player in the league, arguably. Top oh, five yeah. for sure. But what has he won? One playoff series last year. We understand he puts up the big numbers. As we know, the league isn't a big league anymore. You have to be a wing player, a perimeter player at best. As we've seen, the league is just uh, draining threes left and right. So Davis doesn't fit that profile. But when you get a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, who has not played in almost a year, and granted that he was going to be the savior for this franchise uh, once upon a time when Patrick Ewing came in, not to say it was a, the same ilk or the same class as that, but at the same time, they knew that, all right, this is our guy. This is the guy we're going to build with. And then for him to come out and say, I don't like the direction of this team. Uh, I feel it's best to be traded. And give credit to Steve Mills and Scott Perry for trading him within minutes, it seemed like, to Dallas. But my thing is, J.D., is like the players just have too much power here. And it's a shame because when you look at the way the league is, and we understand the whole super teams and the superpowers, and you want to you know, try to get the brass ring, but I think it's going to damage the sport more than it's going to help it, despite the fact that you have a lot of good teams this year, whether it's Denver, uh, whether it's you know Philly, of course, doing it with the process and a few other teams. But I just don't like it that these players can just dictate where they want to oh. go just for the sake of it. Man, it's been like that for a couple of years now. And like you alluded to, it's all about the super teams now. Uh, you look at the conferences and you have your top-heavy teams. And I know for the pure basketball purists, without question, I, you really have to sit there and look at this, the landscape. And I've always argued about it. I mean, basketball is not the same anymore. I mean, let's be real. We look at maybe about 10 teams in the league that really pay pure basketball, play with the fundamentals, play the way it's supposed to be. And everything now is just basically isos and chugging three-pointers. And and that being my favorite sport, sometimes I just can't even watch it. Sometimes basketball just gets to be absolutely unwatchable. Um, so as a point, Jay, uh, superstars make the league. Yeah. And not everybody wants to team up like they're the super friends. And this is the way it's going to be for a while. It's like, I don't want to say it's a disrespect for the game. Hey, they want to do what they want to do. Fine, I understand that. But sometimes you sit there and watch this, and like I said to me, it's like all like a comedy act. And what, now you're seeing agents get into this now. This is what makes it even worse. I mean, I mean, how do you deal with that nonsense now? Now, not only the players, now you're having agents coming out and dictating things. Yeah, and of course, when you got Rich Paul, who's 
obviously the leading clutch sports, which oh. he's tied in with LeBron, of course, what do you think is going to happen? Well, him putting out that statement, he's going to put the whole league on notice, and I'm sure other players are going to want to probably be a part of clutch sports to piggyback on a guy like Anthony Davis. Now, mind you, there's just a handful of guys like that in the league, but at the same time, whomever's going to come in, could you imagine Zion Williamson when he comes out this year, and even whether it be Cam Reddish or even R.J. Barrett for that matter, I'm sure the first thing they're going to go to is, oh, we're not going to go to Rock Nation, we're going to go to clutch sports. So they're going to have all the leverage, not only just the agent, but the player, because they're going to dictate where they go. And not only that, but when the time comes that they're, they're rotting in Cleveland or if they're rotting in Phoenix, that they say, well, you know what? I've played here three, four years. I'm not going to sign my next contract. I'm going to go elsewhere. I want to play on Houston. I want to play on, you know, in L.A. or I want to play wherever. And it's just – and it's terrible. And now to segue that to our team because, J.D., as you said, you're a huge basketball fan. That's your first love. And I know the Celtics are you, – you bleed green. And I know I'm you know right behind you when it comes to that. But I know going back to when we were little kids, obviously that was your team, as well as the Red Sox, Bruins, and, of course, your beloved Cowboys. But just to think that what's going on here, J.D., in the last few days with Kyrie – and we'll get to the team in a second. But the reason why I bring him up because of the tie here with New York – you know, a lot of people thought that when this trade was made, and I wasn't really a big fan of Kyrie, although I praised his talent, we all look at how ball handler he is, etc. But the trade that Ainge had to make, and it turned out to be a great trade, as we all know, and not to go back and rehash that. But now to think that here it was in October at the season ticket festival or whatever it was that was going on there where he says, hey, if you want me here, Kyrie, he says, if you want me here, then sign me. And everybody cheered and they thought, hey, all right, it's all love, it's great, so on and so forth. Where now he's almost backtracked on that, saying that, well, hey, I got caught up in the emotions, I got caught up in the, you know, the whole specter of that moment being in front of the season ticket holders. And But now it's, he's like brushing it off to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, ask me July 1st. There's going to be a lot of rumors between now and February 7th. And I got news for you, JD, if somehow, some way, Ainge finds a deal to trade yeah. Irving. Oh, yes. I'm not going to shed a tear by any stretch of imagination. I know a lot of people may be in the uh, minority when it comes to that, where they may think, oh, what are you, crazy? It's Kyrie. What are you going to do? Listen, if he walks out the door and he goes somewhere else, whatever, I don't know what Ainge is going to do, but, J.D., I I tell you right now, I'm certainly not going to lose sleep if the Celtics between now and February 7th jettison uh, Kyrie Irving to wherever destination he may go. When you're dealing with Trader Danny... I mean, is anything going to surprise you? No, of And we've talked about this off the air, Jay. Listen, Kyrie's an old 25. I know people are going to say, what are you, crazy, old 20? I mean, you, you, you're seeing the Knicks. You're seeing the sitting out of games. And I know people will say, oh, well, they want to give him his rest and get him fresh for the playoffs. We talked about we talked about that knee. I mean, yeah. can you trust this knee for another five years? No. You know his game is predicated on speed. And I understand, listen, he's an amazing player. Top 10, I don't know, Jay. We could sit here and go through the list, you know. Maybe he's there between 10 and 15, but, you know, top 10. You can argue that he's out of that, uh, you know, out of that top 10. Yeah. Kyrie, listen, I think he's really getting frustrated. He's really finding out that, listen, I have a really good core here. I've got some really good players. But deep down the heart, I think that's a guy that really needs a superstar next to him. And he's getting on some of the younger players back, I understand. But at the same time, Kyrie, I mean, let's be real. There's times he's chucking threes from the Charles River, major turnovers at the end of games. 
and he wants to go call out people. You know, I think this thing of the quote-unquote leadership, he's having a little trouble with this. And like you alluded to, Jay, I wouldn't be surprised that if he wanted to go to the Knicks to join, whether it was KD or Anthony Davis, and end up leaving at the end of the year. And I mean, he's probably looking like this. It's going to be harder for him to definitely get a superstar to come over if he trades Kyrie, unless he could pull another rabbit out of the hat and get, and get another steal of the century. But right now, we're traded Danny, and if this is the way Kyrie feels, which I don't know, because everything could change, and this is the silly time of the season, like Doc Rivers used to call it. But if you can get somebody comparable, and I know it's always going to be hard in those trades, you're never going to get back what it's worth, but you can get somebody comparable and bring another superstar here. I mean, Jay, I mean, there's a lot of things you got to look at on the board right now. No, and then the other thing is, too, like you just mentioned, when he came out a couple weeks ago uh, after that game in Orlando when he pretty much threw the team under the bus, and then it was a few days later where he revealed that he had to call, you know, he called LeBron James and he talked about, oh, now I understand how you felt when I was a 22-year-old kid and here I was you know, trying to do a little bit too much and I wasn't patient and I didn't trust my play or let the play come to me as opposed to me going out and playing that way where LeBron, I'm sure, in those times, in those private times, had told him, hey, kid, you got to slow down or hey, whatever it was. And how I looked at that was, it's like, wait a second, why is he A, calling LeBron considering that he wanted to leave Cleveland and have his own team and to have his own, you know, to carry his own team to be that leader. And here he is. Listen, I understand if you're going to do it in private or whatever, that's fine. But for him, like the public, he just put it out there. And listen, I understand he's his own man. He can do whatever he wants. I get that. But don't, two years ago, don't come out and say, oh, I want to trade. I want to have my own team. I feel like I'm not going to have my own identity, especially if LeBron leaves. I don't want to be stuck on a bad Cleveland team. So now he gets traded to Boston with a good young coach, good young players, and then here it is. Oh, well, you know what? Now i got to throw my team under the bus because they're not playing well. They're not performing well. But, oh, wait a minute. That was me when Jalen Brown is was my age, when Jason Tatum was younger than Kyrie Absolutely. when he played, and now all of a sudden he's calling them out. It's like, come on, man. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't. Yeah, and then not, not only that, and as far as the team is concerned, it, the, listen, I know they've been playing better of late, and it was going to be a tough chore coming into this year. Everybody thought it was going to be roses to think that, oh, now we're going to have Gordon Hayward back. Oh, now we're going to have Kyrie back. We're one game away from the finals. And I tell you, it's been anything short of, I'm not going to say it was a horror show because that's going too strong, but it certainly hasn't been as smooth as it, as a lot of people thought it was going to be. And I think a lot of it had to do with Gordon Hayward, and it's not him personally, but, of course, him making all that money and him wanting to play disrupted a lot of the chemistry and a lot of camaraderie on the team considering that the game, you know, whether it was Terry Rozier, whether it was Jason Tatum in crunch time last year, you know, those type of guys that, you know, certainly lifted the team almost to the finals, that now it was almost as if, hey, wait a second, this team where we came that close, they thought that, hey, they could win almost 60 games this year Meanwhile, they're finding that that's not the case. And more, oh, and just let me know, know how you feel about this. That even puts Coach Stevens more on the spotlight, too, because those first five years, it was him building this team to this point. And now that he's at this point, it's almost as if he's trying to solve a Rubik's Cube with his, you know, blindfolded. So it makes you wonder what's going to happen here in these coming days. Not necessarily with Kyrie, but if the Celtics are going to make a trade to try to get some sort of camaraderie, get some, a little bit better chemistry, despite the fact that they've been playing better of late. And that's absolutely puzzling. And I know we talked about this off the air as well, that you would have thought Brad would have figured this out by now. Yeah. You know, it's one interesting question that I bring up, and I know a lot of people say, you got to be insane. But I look at it like this. 
you know, I know people could say lightning in the bottle last year, the ragtag bunch, the young guns, they got to a con they were one game away from going to an NBA finals. You know, and I look at it like this, you know, I don't know what their record is offhand, but sometimes when I watch these games and Kyrie sits out, for some reason the offense flows. Whether it's more passing, better shot selection, no one's trying to take fifteen, seventeen shots and a half. And nobody has to tell me, I understand you win with the superstars. I mean, you have to have somebody that's going to elevate you and get you over the hump. And I get it. But sometimes I even think that somebody, even like a Kyrie Irving, could be a detriment to this team. And there's times I've seen it where he's taking the 25, 27 shots when he really doesn't have to. I mean, we know he could, he could pass the ball. His assist numbers are not that great, but he can pass. But there's times they... I look at it and I see some like Kyrie Ford's a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, well, like I said, he's chucking those threes from the Charles river. I mean, constantly trying to force it into the paint when he should be passing it back out. I mean, tough shots after tough shots and he hits them. I mean, don't ask me how he does. That. I mean, he's an absolute wizard at that. But when I see the ball spread out, I mean, there's just certain times where I look and, you know, I say, why isn't Gordon Hayward getting 10, 12 shots a game or Jalen Brown and, you know, I'm seeing Gordon Hayward five shots, and I understand it's going to be a process with him. Uh, you know, Horford, you know, another one. I mean, he can score, and you're not asking to take 15, 17 shots a game, but I shouldn't see him have to go four for nine every night, you know, four for eight. I mean, it just makes no sense. But here's a question that I pose. I mean, do you really think you look at somebody like Kyrie Irving, you know, superstar, top 15 in the league, could maybe be a detriment to the team? Listen. I, yeah, I could see that, and the only reason why I could see that is because, although it's a small track record, but just look at the runs of the finals, or to at least to the, you know, to Game Seven of the Conference Finals last year. Now, granted, I know that Brad Stevens outcoached Brett Brown in that Sixer series because we thought, and I know for, I'm speaking for myself, and I'm sure you probably felt the same way, JD. I thought we were going to lose to the Sixers. I thought there was no way that we were going to beat them, but we saw how young they were not only on the court, but even Brett Brown and just some of his decision-making at the end of these games. You know, they had a huge lead in game two. They were up like 25 points and they lose that game. The way he blew game three at the end, you know, the inbounds passes and having Joel Embiid at the top of the key. Uh, just weird, it, just terrible coaching on his part. But with yeah. that being said, you know, when you look at the way Terry Rozier played, and I know Terry Rozier, he's like, we, you know, old Tony Allen trick-or-treat. You know, sometimes you're going to get those tricks, but then you're going to get a lot of treats from Terry Rozier, and he ran out of gas in that game seven. Listen, I'm not trying oh, to without question. Yeah, I'm not trying to compare him to Kyrie Irving. I'm, you know, Kyrie Irving, obviously, like you said, is a top 15 town in the league. But at the same time, you kind of wonder, with the camaraderie of those younger guys playing it the way they did, you wonder, part of the disruption of this team, and I'm sure they, they know that Kyrie's a big part of this team, but at the same time, when... Rozier's not getting big minutes, when Jalen Brown's not getting big minutes, when Gordon Hayward has been, let's face it, he and there's an excuse there because he's still trying to come back from that leg injury. And I heard something the other day, JD, which makes a thousand percent sense. When Paul George broke his leg, you know, a few years back, it took him three years to come back to be that all star form. And I'm not trying to compare yeah. Gordon Hayward to Paul George, but that means in the final year of his contract, that's when he's probably gonna be close to the Gordon Hayward that we thought we we signed two summers ago. Oh, no, great point, and then that's when Angel, uh, you know, trade him. And <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Does, let me ask you this: Do you think Angel makes any trade between now and Thursday? Man, that's a tough proposition because 
And you know Ainge is on these phones 24-7. You know he's looking at every prospect right now. I mean, he's scouring the league right now to see if there are any type of stars that are available. I really think the Celtics need another bench player. Uh, they could, they, their bench has been pretty much for the most part solid, but I really think they need like another shooter, another vet, maybe a, a grizzled vet. Um, you know, I'm not asking for a superstar. I mean, you're just asking for somebody that can give you sol- solid rotational minutes and, uh, you know, maybe fill in maybe after three or four. But um, after that, I don't see anything big unless he really does pull off a Kyrie trade. I mean, I don't really see him uh, trading Jalen Brown and uh, Terry Rozier right now to anybody for, uh, you know, a player in picks. I mean, I doubt it. I'd be shocked unless it's uh, something like a deal you can't refuse. But, I really haven't heard anything among, amongst the trade front with Ainge right now. Yeah, and that's what's going to be fascinating. I don't think Kyrie's going to be gone by Thursday, but you know, considering what happened in the, with the Knicks with Porzingis and considering what was said today with Kyrie, I wonder in the back of his head if Ainge was thinking to himself, like, hey, if I could find that right deal, whatever that deal is, and I couldn't even come up with one right now, but would he be able to deal him? And listen, he did it with Isaiah Thomas, and I get that Anthony Davis – his father came out and said, well, hey, listen, I don't want to go there because what they did to Isaiah Thomas. Well, it was shrewd on Angel's part to do that. And granted, I understand Isaiah Thomas became, you know, a uh, second-team All-NBA. But you know what? Uh, anybody, you would have made that trade. I would have made that trade. Anybody in their right frame of mind would have made that trade. Oh. Because could you imagine if we well, would have given Isaiah Thomas a max contract? He's even in the league. I know he's in the league. He's in Denver. But at the same time, that's how far he's fallen off. Granted, I understand he had the hip injury and all that which is a big part of it, but at the same time, there was no way, and Ainge was right for not giving him a max contract for a guy that you know, took a beating the way he did, especially when he played with the Celtics. That's all about a business, Jay, and they got to realize, like, I'm saying you get attached and emotional, and I get it, and I feel it, but at the same time, they got to realize this is all about business. You know, money makes the world go around, and you know, the NBA is a big business. I mean, really, what can you say? I mean, yeah, you know, I feel bad in their heart, and I understand what they're going through, but... I mean, you know, they, they're making a big deal out of it. They you know exactly what they're getting into. And, you know, I really, really can't feel bad about it. And I know people will put up the argument, I understand Isaiah Thomas gave his heart to the city. You know, he probably maybe re-injured himself that maybe he could his career could have ended. And, you know, in a way, I do feel bad. But once again, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we'll see what's going to happen there in the days to come. And uh, the Knicks, we'll see if... Uh... A lot of people love this trade up here, believe it or not. From what I've gathered, um, it's and to me it was a no brainer. I had to digest this trade considering that they're getting two ones, uh, number ones, you know, twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three, I think, and that twenty twenty one is unprotected. But the thing is, is that New York doesn't have that allure that it once did because think about the year in two thousand ten with LeBron. He didn't come here. Wade didn't come here. Yeah, they got a Morris Stoudemire, but you kind of wonder if the Knicks are going to go through that again. Will they? dish out the big money to a guy that doesn't deserve that max money. That's going to be, and listen, that's for July. I understand there's still plenty of months to go between now and then. But as giddy as the Nick fan may feel today, knowing that, oh, we can bring in two max players. We're $70 million under the cap. Katie's definitely coming here, which I think I think he's going to come here, J.D., and just based on some things that I've heard. But as it is today, if you know Kevin Durant doesn't come here, if Kyrie doesn't come here, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't come here, I wonder if Steve Mills and Scott Perry are still going to hold their cards and fold them at the table, or are they just going to spend like drunken sailors and kind of bring it back to 2010, bring in that second-tier player. And then, of course, you know they'll have their 48 wins oh. and win a round, but it's not about that. It's about winning a title. 
and that's what it looked like it's going to be. I mean, you just rattled off the names. If you don't get any one of those four players, this is all for naught. Because they basically signed second-tier players to blow the contracts. But then again, when, when you look at the players that want to come over, Jay, you hit it right on the nail, the allure. So who am I coming to? You know, like if I'm coming home to the to the Kuzmas and the Jason Tatums and the young talent like that, you know, maybe it's something I could think about. And, you know, the Knicks have, have a, a few finds here and there that they, they found underneath the rug, you know, some nice little solid play. But it's nothing that you go over there and say, hey, you know what, that's an excellent young core that I'm going to that, you know, we can build around. I mean, really, uh, who would you rather go to right now, uh, Brooklyn or New York? I mean, uh, to me, the answer would be, you know, easy right now. You know, I know it's the Mecca and everything, but hey, it's not the same. It's just not the same anymore. No, it's definitely not. And I understand Jim Dolan's running the show there, so a lot of people are scared about Dolan. I'm sure a lot of the players, they want to stay away from him because he's not that type of owner who's a la, you know, Mark Cuban. You know, he's not the, I guess, the owner of today where they're a lot more hands-on, a lot more player-friendly. That's not to say that, you know, the James Dolan is the type of guy where, oh, I don't want to be bothered, but look what happened with that incident with Charles Oakley last year. Uh, he had him expelled from the building. I don't even think he's been back. So players, when they hear that, Unbelievable. Like, yeah, when they hear that they're going to look at that and be like, oh, I don't want to play for a guy like that. So, uh, I mean, you know, this guy cares about is his band and uh, I don't know what he's doing out there. And, yeah, it's just it's a sad situation. Like I said, you know, really, I mean, they 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 young core, a couple of nice seasons, but it's it's nothing that would attract me over there. Um, well, it, it's sad. It's really sad. And you know, props to, to to Brooklyn. I know I'm getting off the subject right now, but just to see what they've done. Oh no! And I, I mean, a ton of credit, and to look where the Knicks are right now. I mean, is beyond an embarrassment. Beyond an embarrassment. No, it is, and that's what's even more of an embarrassment when. Porzingis came out and he's like, "Oh, listen, I see this team's going in a bad direction. They have no players. The team is terrible. How could he even think about yeah. that? He should know and say, "Hey, next year, I understand he's a restricted free agent, so it's dangerous for the Knicks because obviously, if a team offers him a contract, then the front office is going to be pressured to sign Porzingis. And let's say he comes back these finals two months, and if he was still a Nick, if he came back and performed well, and." whomever, the Lakers, I'm, I'm not saying the Lakers would do this, but for argument's sake, just to throw their name in the mix. If the Lakers went out and offer, gave him an offer sheet for whatever, you know, five years at 100 some odd million, then the Knicks are going to feel pressured to sign that. If they don't do that, if they don't match, then, of course, the fan base is going to just turn on them. So I think they did the right thing by trading him. I, I don't like it that Porzingis just kind of went in there and said, hey, I don't like the direction of this, of this team. Meanwhile, this guy's played two and a half years. He's shown flashes, but by any stretch of the imagination, you know, this guy certainly didn't come in here and, you know, light the world on fire. So, yeah, that's the thing that, I, that, that's the thing that bothers me. And who knows? It's going to be fascinating to see. I understand it's for July because anything that's going to happen between now and the trade deadline on Thursday, it's going to be more about the Celtics. It's going to be more about the Lakers. It's going to be more about if Anthony Davis goes, which I don't think he will. But it's just amazing to think that here it is before the All-Star break and these deals are you know, just being bandied about throughout the league. Unbelievable. Can you remember the last time? I mean, we really had this much buzz. I mean, there's always buzz around NBA uh, trade deadline, but players of this quality? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's unheard of. Yeah. So, But uh, yeah, I want to change gears here because um, I want to go to football. And again, we're not going to talk Super Bowl because, please, why bother? But I'm going to take you back, back into time, my friend. And I'm going to bring up two scenarios because gonna, we're going to talk football now and we're going to segue that to baseball. On January 28th, 1996, you and I and your brother, my cousin, 
Josh, we just finished watching Super Bowl 30 and you just finished watching your team win your third Super Bowl in four years. If I would have told you that night, J.D., that your team would not even go to a conference championship, let alone a Super Bowl, in the next 23 years, what would you would have told me? Uh, you probably just would have got a look and a, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Four you know, at least a couple years. of NFC championship games. I know, J.D., I mean, can you imagine? Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, when you really look at it like that, uh, once again, beyond embarrassing. Yeah. And, now, uh, and then with that being said, I wonder with the words that Jerry Jones said a couple of days ago when he came out and said that um, that they're not extending Jason Garrett. L- listen, when they were three and five this year before they made the trade of Mari Cooper, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, maybe this could be the year. This could be the year Garrett's gone. Of course, they made the playoffs. You knew he was staying. But with Jerry saying that, do you think you have any faith that Jerry would stick to his words and not extend them? Or do you think that this is just a song and dance just to kind of keep people on their toes when you know that Garrett's probably going to get extended at some point this offseason? Of course, the Gregory Hines uh, toll tap. I, I, this is something that he should have did last season, mm-hmm. without question. I just don't understand. I, I know Garrett's like a son to him. I know he's loyal to a fault. I get it all. But the NFL has changed a lot. The only thing that I just see in Garrett, as far as with the leadership qualities, and for some reason, I don't know, the players run through walls for him. Like, they respect them, you know. You may hear things about the offense here and there, I get it. But, I mean, as far as that, I mean, I've, you know, seen tapes and locker room stuff, and, like, these players gravitate towards him. But, once again, besides his coaching tactics, his game management, his game planning, et cetera, I mean, I'm not going to get into that right now because the diehard Cowboy fan already knows what's going on. Uh, as far as with Jerry, I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. Ever since Steven and Will McClay have had a tremendous input into that organization, I think he's really keeping his ears open. And uh, I think he's doing the right thing. The only thing is he's a lame duck coach right now. I mean, this guy has to get at least to a conference championship to at least get some type of extension. After that, I mean, I don't even know what to tell you because I'm looking at the Cowboys this year. I'm looking at a first-place schedule. It's going to be injury. It's going to be the same old, same old. I'm not going to get into the whole Kellen Moore and John Kitten and all that, but and to me – as long as Garrett is there, I just don't see this team taking the next step. I just don't see it. And then the thing is, I mean, we can't talk about this now because until he's out, because whomever's going to be the next in line, whether it's Ryder Kellen Moore or John Kitna, and I'm sure that with all the rage being the offensive coordinator coming in, whether it's the Sean McVays, of course, or even uh, you know what you've seen so far this uh, offseason with you know Cliff Kingsbury getting signed and uh, Freddie Kitchens for the oh, for the Browns, you know guys like that. Where back in the day, everybody was looking for that defensive mind, a defensive coordinator to become a coach. Now it's the offensive from an offensive standpoint. I, I I wonder if Jerry and I hope he doesn't for your sake and for all the Cowboys fans' sake, because as much as the Cowboy fan may want to stick their head in the sand and look at Jerry as being the guy, as we all know, the GM, the president, the coach, or the, the pseudo-coach, whatever you want to call it. But I would think that this has to be the last straw for him. And I would think that his sons, if Steven is coming to him and saying, listen, we love Jason, he's been, he's part of the family, but it's about Super Bowls. Don't you think at the end of the day, considering, as I said to you from before, J.D., after that Super Bowl 30 victory, that since then you haven't even come close to a conference championship, let alone Super Bowl? Isn't that what it's about, Jerry? Disgusting. It's disgusting. And, you know, this is a guy that always rolled the dice and gambled and was always out there to win. 
And I understand people are going to say, oh, the NFL, you want to have the continuity and you, you want to have that coach that's there for a while. Listen, uh, the Cowboys don't need an NFC Marvin Lewis. That, that, that's not what they need right now. And I'm not asking for the young, hot coach that's 28 years old coming out of college. That no, I'm not asking for that. But can we get a little innovation, a little creation? I mean, it's just getting embarrassing time and time again about hearing about other teams knowing our plays and knowing what we're going to call, and you still see bad clock management, and you just you don't see any creativity from Garrett, and you're just wasting years from Zeke. You're wasting Dak's progression. Uh, uh, you know, the, the coaching has just been absolutely horrible. And why Garrett's still around, three playoff wins in nine years, I have absolutely no idea. Like I said, I know he's loyal to a point. I know Garrett's supposed to be this smart, intelligent guy, but you just don't really see it on the field. You, you you don't see it in his play calling. You just see nothing innovative with this team, and I just don't get it with Jerry. It just has to come to a point where you say, listen, promote him. Let him be a scout. Let him be somebody in the front office. But as far as coaching, you're going to have to let this guy go. I, it, it just – Absolutely makes no sense. You're just, you're just wasting years of finally of a decent Dallas team. We haven't had really a team with some decent balance on both offense and defense in quite a while. But you're never going to see this team reach its full potential if a one Jason Ginger Garrett is still there. No, I hear you. And I can only imagine I'm sure a lot of Cowboy fans feel the same way you do. And listen, I only bring that up because I'm going to segue to the next thing in a couple minutes, which – kind of comes full circle but the um the one thing i want to talk to you about is uh, tomorrow they're gonna have the uh, hall of fame finalists and i know we always have a goof about that we always like to talk who deserves to be in the hall of fame and who doesn't and i think you have two locks this year with ed reed and tony gonzalez after that a lot of that stuff is there are guys that i think to be in the hall of fame that believe it or not the kevin mawise alan fan do you have the list in front of you right now you know what i I do and I don't, but I, I could run it down for you, J.D., because a lot of that I talked about on the last podcast, and I definitely want to get your take on this. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yes, please. I, yeah, I guess we'll do like a quick yes, no. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to start off with this one. Um, I'm not going to go through the the guys that are uh, selected by the Veterans Committee, you know, like the old-timers. I think there's a guy, Johnny Robinson, okay. that's on that list. But, um, yeah, as far as the Hall of Fame finalists, all right, I'm leaving, what you would call it, Ed Reed and Tony Gonzalez out because they're going to be locks. Okay, without all right, question. All right, Kevin Mawai. Listen, you know, solid player, goody gritty, everything. Not a Hall of Famer. But you know what's funny, JD? The guy's a seven. No, he's a six-time All-Pro first team, and a center. And I, but I understand he's not the sexy guy. He's not. Is he Domonte Dawson? Is he Dwight Stevenson? Is he Mike Webster? Is he you know guys of that oak? He's probably below that, but when you're a six-time first-team All-Pro, and I'm not trying to... You know, and look, I never would have known that, you know? And I guess on that alone, he'll get in, but, Jay, you hit it right on the nail, you know? I mean, you know, he you know, he had his, you know, good, really solid years in the league. But, you know, but I don't get people like that, and I, and I don't know. Maybe I got to go look at the tapes, and maybe people will be like, oh, I don't know what you were watching, but, you know, I look for dominance. Yeah, and, yeah, there was time. I, I, I was looking at role grader. Solid lunch pail, goody gritty type. Whenever saw him play, my Y was just dominating every defensive tackle in the league, and you know, pushing these guys like sleds. I mean, you know, maybe I was missing something, but no, you're right. in the Hall of Fame. We could be on here forever, whether it's football, baseball. I mean, you know, 
No, <laughs> definitely. No, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to get to the really getting disgusting. No, it is. And just so you know, you were just breaking up with a, a little bit uh, a couple of seconds ago, but now you sound good. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're good. All right. Um, and the next one on that list is Alan Fanica. Right. Now, Alan Fanica, he's a guard, and we all know that's not a sexy position, but the guy was a seven-time first-team All-Pro. Well, let me go through the list first, J.D., because, I, you know, I don't want to – I know you're kind of pressed for time. All... And let me just see. Wow. Yeah, he's a seven-time first-team All-Pro. And other guys on this list, we'll just do a yes and no. So what do you think? All right, so Fanica. You know, the way the Hall of Fame is, yeah, he'll get in. But, you know, to me, another one, I think dominance. Right. I think greatness. But, yeah. you know, the standards are low now. Right. You know, he yeah. he probably has more all pros than than people already in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, no, right. Is he John Hanna? Definitely not. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's amazing to think that he's gotten that many first team all pros. Because to me, the Pro Bowls, everybody wants to get wrapped up in that. Like for instance, Champ Bailey's on this list. JD Champ Bailey made the Pro Bowl fourteen times. You know how many times he was a first team all pro? Three about times. Two. Three. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, listen, look at that. That's not the diminishing. Wow. That's not to knock him, but everybody's gonna look at Champ Bailey. And the crazy thing is, Champ Bailey, I think, in first career had fifty-three interceptions. Another guy on that list wow. who's only got two first team all pros is Ty Law, but he has fifty-four interceptions. Is Ty Law a Hall of Famer? Another one, solid as position, very, very solid. I mean, came to work every day, did his thing, but. Yeah, I have to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if people are gonna say JD. I mean, you gotta be insane, but I, you know, I, I look at the greats, yeah. and when I compare him to the greats, it doesn't stack up. No, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, and then you got a guy like here's another guy. He was dominant in his day, and I understand the wide receiver position is, you know, the, the game in the last twenty years has changed so much. Isaac Bruce, I believe, is third all time in receiving yards, and he has you know over a thousand catches. He, of course, he got the Super Bowl ring. But is is he another guy? Is he a Hall of Famer? No. (laughs) (laughs) But once again, I bet it would be sad. If we sat and had the time, I bet you he probably has better numbers than a few receivers in the Hall. So eventually, he'll get in. You know, uh, Harold Baines, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, put it this way, J.D., and this was a disgrace when we talked about it when we had our show. Andre Reid is in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. Isaac Bruce goes in before Andre Reid. Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, no offense on you know, solid receiver. Yeah, he had his numbers and everything. But, I mean, when you stack him up against the greats, I mean, and I know people are going to say, oh, he wasn't appreciated because he was in Buffalo or if he played in New York or Dallas or whatever. And, no, he was very good. He was very good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But was he just that dominant, game-changing, great receiver? Right. Was he Randy Moss? But, yeah. Yeah, but it's back to the criteria again. You know, you you're gonna see receivers now, and, you know that you know like ten more years. Yeah, Tyree Kill whole thing. You know, really. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, they're talking about slot receivers now, Hall of Fame. You know, I, I was I was hearing things about Julian Edelman getting in the Hall of Fame. Oh, did you? And I said, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, you're gonna throw him in the Hall of Fame, and then you're gonna leave Wes Welker rotting. So I mean, you're gonna have to throw Wes Welker in the Hall of. I said, no, no, please. Let's not get to this. You know, come on. Nice receivers for what they did. Uh, but come on. Now, now Hall of Fame now? So what's next? Uh, third down backs? Yeah, uh, come on. Please. Yeah, and you know what's so funny? Boomer Esiason said that after the AFC Championship game. He goes, I don't want to hear it. You know, Julian Edelman, he's a Hall of Famer. I think to myself, this man is not even in a top 10 in one <laughs> the NFL. Forget about first team All Pro. I, mean, I can't. I can't. 
Yeah, just crazy. But the rest of that list, JD, is uh, Edron James. Um, he has numbers, but to me, no. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I'm telling you, you know, I mean, was he that dominant back? Was he that back that he threw the team on his shoulders and, you know, constantly won them games? And I don't want to overlook, the, you know, the accomplishments. Because, yeah, they, they did have great games. They did have great times. But were they great players? And I think people overuse the word great too much. Uh, and that's totally, what I don't like. No, I totally agree. And then, uh, yeah, to round it off, you had Steve Hutchinson, who's the, you know, the former Seahawk and Viking guard. Seahawk, yeah. Yeah, Tony Baselli, John Lynch, Richard Seymour, then as far as the coaches go, or Don Coriel and Tom Flores. And I understand Flores won two Super Bowls. But he is not a Hall of Famer. But after that. Yeah, after that. Yeah, I laugh because I know people are listening to this right now. These guys must be on acid. But, I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he got the two Super Bowls and everything. But, I mean, you know, really after that or before that, I mean, uh, yeah, no, exactly. you know, nothing. No, you know? so. All right, so listen, I only have a few more minutes left with you. So now I'm just going to go back to baseball. So you ready for this? So I gave you that Cowboy scenario. So on the night, I believe it was October 20th. No, it was October 16th, I believe, 2003. When Aaron uh. Boone hit that home run off of Tim Wakefield <laughs> down the left field line, as the Red Sox fan you are, if I would have told you that night, J.D., that don't worry, next year the Red Sox are going to come behind from 3-0 in the ALCS to beat the Yankees and oh. sweep the Red Sox in a World Series <laughs> and then win three more World Series in the next 13 years, what would you have told me that night? Oh, bro, when I had you committed, I had two guys in white outfits <laughs> come with the straight jacket, and oh my God, God, it just seems like yesterday. I mean, I mean, uh, even just looking back at the season with Dombrowski and his usual Las Vegas gambling tactics, and I just can't believe how everything just clicked this year for this team. I, you know, and being a Red Sox fan all those years, and even still getting spoiled with the last championships they had. I mean, I still have my doubts this year. And, you know, I don't have to get into it. You know, David Price, you know, mm-hmm. sale with these these arm troubles after the All-Star break, the shaky bullpen. I mean, offense I wasn't worried about. I understand offense comes and goes, but, you know, basically they had a really good offense. But it was in the pit. But somebody would have told me Joe Kelly was all of a sudden going to be Mariano Rivera in the playoffs and – all of a sudden, uh, David Price all of a sudden found himself. I don't know if he made a deal with the devil. and I mean, everything just clicked with this team. And, and Cora was just absolutely amazing. And, and just kudos to Dombrowski. I mean, I won't get into too much of it, but I, I mean, just amazing. But now I look at this season now with no closer, the bullpen leaving. I'm already, I'm already in panic mode and spring training hasn't even started yet. I know, and to think, you know, there's so many free agents that are still out there, but forget about Harper Machado, we know about them, but to think that Kimbrell hasn't signed, and you kind of wonder, will uh-huh. he come back to the Red Sox, not to say he's going to get that discount, but if nobody else is going to give him that long-term deal, or nobody's going to give him whatever, five years, 80 million, whatever it may be, it kind of works in the Red Sox' favor right now, unless somebody swoops in at the last minute and signs him on some crazy deal. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox have been trying to find people off of the scrap heap, and I know they signed uh, one of your ex-players, I well, I saw the other day I was shocked in uh, Mejia. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're signing a bunch of, like, veterans to, like, minor league contracts. Off the top of my head, I really can't think of them right now, but they signed a, a, a few on these uh, maybe uh, make it to spring through spring training and uh, see what they got. But, you know, at the time, this is a, a sneaky proposition. I mean, they lost Kelly. You know, Kimbrell's up in the air right now. They have a couple of kids in the minors right now they could maybe bring up, but I don't even know if they're ready. Uh, you know, I understand they want to. They don't want to go over the luxury tax. 
They got big contracts coming up next year, whether it's uh, Chris Sale, uh, Xander Bogarts, uh, Porcello's coming up. Um, pretty sure Price is going to you know, opt into his contract. Uh, so there's not going to be a lot of money to go around, even, you know, talking about maybe trading one of the catches they have, uh, you know, still going to have holes at first base next year, you know, Moreland and LPS will be gone. Um, man, a lot of major moves, but you know, with Dombrowski, it's all in now. And then, uh, worry about the team, uh, deteriorating, uh, years from now. <laughs> right. And I figure even though they got this title, 108 wins, you know, last year, because of course we're in 2019, but, uh, it's going to be interesting because to me, with the Yankees and the way they've restocked their bullpen and knowing that the Red Sox are just a shell of that, um, the arms race in the uh, AL East could certainly uh, turn upside down. Not to say that the Red Sox are going to win you know, 85 games, but at the same time, knowing that the Yankees do not have the starting pitching, even with Paxton in the mix, but knowing that they have now five guys in that bullpen that you can just bring out, whether it's Ottavino, whether it's Britton, whether it's Batantis, whether it's uh, Chad Green, whether it's uh, or oldest Chapman. I mean, please. It's, baseball as it is, it's becoming a five-inning game as far as your starting pitchers are concerned. Just let the bullpen take over. So, if they could somehow, some way, stick to that formula, they're certainly going to go a long way this year. And that's what I understand about Dombrowski right now. That uh, he was actually playing with fire last year, and you know, almost like a lightning in a bottle scenario. Because if somebody would told me the way that Barnes and Kelly. I mean, pitched their tails off last year. You know, they were very inconsistent. You know, Embry had his moments here and there. And, and of course, Evaldi was the hero. Uh, you know, it makes me even look at that signing as well. I mean, you know, he got him at a decent price, and don't get me wrong, but, you know, in all honesty, I don't really expect someone like Nathan Evaldi to continue what he uh, did in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, I know he has the stuff and the potential, et cetera. You know, he's worried about, you know, those two surgeries that he had, but, um, am I really looking at him right now, uh, 18 and five with a 2.4 ERA? You know, I don't think so. You know, you may be seeing, uh, some of the old Evaldi now because <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Like you just said, somebody was to tell me that he was going to be Bob Gibson in the playoffs. You know, I kind of would have, uh, yeah, you know, been, uh, very, uh, very skeptical. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, man. I know you got to, uh, you got to run, but I definitely want to have you back whenever you want to come on, you know, you could just talk about uh, NBA, this and that, because uh, I definitely want you to be a staple on this program because obviously you bring the passion and the pain similar to uh, what I do each and every week. So uh, anytime you uh, want Jay, come more than gracious. Uh, you've been absolutely amazing. And uh, uh, thank you so much. I know it was long overdue. I know my schedule has been kind of screwy the last uh, three, four months or so, but Hey, absolute pleasure, man. I had a ton of fun. I can't wait to get into more things with you. Yeah, I'll definitely be on very, very soon. And, hey, man, you keep doing your thing, Jay, man. I love it, man. Best podcast in New York City, sports, hands down. Uh, I appreciate it, my man. Well, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right, thanks to JD for joining me on the podcast today. Certainly was a pleasure and an honor to finally get him on. And I want to get him on quite a bit throughout the course of the year. Uh, Not necessarily to co-host or anything like that, but just to get his input because he is one person that even when we were kids, I mean, going back to probably as early as five years old, we always talk sports. And also his brother, my cousin, Josh, who we all talk sports. I mean, that's pretty much what we did whenever we got together going as far back as when we were just pretty much right out of diapers. So to have JD on was certainly... A treasure. I hope you enjoyed that. 
And uh, not only that, but I'm also looking to try to eventually get to two podcasts a week. Of course, Monday is kind of recap of everything and what happened the week before. And then on top of that, to have that one guest middle of the week, just so you could have a little diversion from me babbling about what's happening in the world of sports, but just to get that guest on. And Lord knows, people, I'm working behind the scenes as much as I can. As you well know, I'm an independent outfit here. Not only do I produce this, host, write, edit, everything. So with me being so far down on the totem pole, as far as podcasts are concerned, this particular sports podcast, you know, it's kind of hard to generate any type of interest from the former or even the current athlete, certain broadcasters, sports writers I'm trying to get onto the program. But listen, we all know that uh, that day will come, continue to persevere because all I want to do is not only continue to put out this particular podcast for you and for the masses, but also to inform, to entertain, but also to deliver credible sports talk for you to listen to on a weekly basis. So with that said, people, definitely go out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, those are the platforms or wherever you get your podcast from. Please subscribe, leave a review, post a rating. All that's going to do is increase the visibility of my podcast and that vast sports universe of podcasts. And uh, not only that, but also hopefully with the visibility, we'll generate a lot of interest amongst the platform that uh, I'm on. And of course, others will take note and hopefully will be put on notice to this particular podcast. And that's all I'm here to do, people, just to continue to inform, continue to entertain you guys. And uh, hopefully with your participation, just with the spreading the word through social media or just going on subscribing, like I said, it literally takes minutes. In fact, you could even ask Siri if you have an iPhone. Siri, please play the J Reels podcast. It'll come on. You can also check out the website, jreels.com. Send me an email at jreels, or I should say the jreels podcast at gmail.com. And then lastly, my social media sites. You could also send me a DM there if you'd like. J Reels on Instagram, J Reels One, just a number on Twitter, and the J Reels Podcast on my Facebook page. So uh, that's all we have for now. We'll come back Monday. I know the NBA trade deadline. You had a couple things going on. I know Tobias Harris was the big news being traded from the Clippers to the Sixers, which certainly bolsters their team with, as we know, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons. But we'll see how that's going to work as far as chemistry is concerned because, as we all know, the Sixers right now, although playing very good basketball, and it seems like a lot of the Jimmy Butler stuff is behind them, the rift that he had there a few weeks ago with uh, Brett Brown, but we'll see how that plays out in the days and weeks to come. But certainly check my Twitter feed. I'll certainly post a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts about what's going to happen here in the coming hours as I'm recording this. Actually, the night before the trade deadline, it is February 6th. So people, just keep yourself abreast of what's going on. I'll be back on the airwaves on Monday, bringing you everything that's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.